The title of the message is God Has the Answer. Many years ago, I heard the late Chuck Colson uh, speak at the National, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the National Religious <coughs> Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. Mr. Colson uh, was a, <coughs> a a man who had a, a radically born again experience, and he was a truly a sincere man <coughs> of God, and a very intelligent man, extremely smart man. And in the course of his speaking there at that meeting, he <clears throat> posed a question that uh, caused me to jot down some notes. His question was, if Jesus is the answer, what is the question? I immediately <clears throat> began to write down, if Jesus is the answer, what is the question? I wrote down, <clears throat> what is my life? Well, the Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Jesus is the answer. I wrote down, <clears throat> how do I escape? And then I said, Jesus is the door. Does anyone love me? Well, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I asked, how can I fix my family? And then I wrote down, <clears throat> as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I wrote the words, what is my future? Chuck Colson was speaking the whole time. I wrote the words, what is my future? The psalmist said, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. I wrote down, how can I know the truth? Jesus said, I am the truth. And then I wrote the real question, how can I go to heaven when I die? Jesus said, I am the way. <clears throat> if Jesus is the answer, what are the questions? Those questions and <clears throat> many more <clears throat> are before you and before me all the time. Not just some of the time, but all <clears throat> of the, the time. There are other questions too. But what happens when our questions are specific? Not general, but more specific. Who should I marry? Does God have the answer to that? <clears throat> um, should I take this job? Does God have the answer to that? Who <clears throat> should be the next pastor of this church? Does God have the answer to that? To that last question, I will tell you <clears throat> that the pulpit committee does not have the answer. They are not the answer. God has the answer. The search committee <clears throat> is appointed by the pulpit committee. They do not have the answer, but God has the answer. To, to that end, <clears throat> I want to encourage you in your life today. I want to encourage you in the life of this church. <clears throat> I want to encourage you in your family life today by showing you how God has the answer. He had the answer for one Simon Peter in a, a time when the 
uh, one he had <clears throat> known for so long, that is Simon Peter, was go, uh, would, had known Jesus for so long and Jesus was going away and, and Simon Peter had a question about something that was going on and there was an answer to come. John 13 and verse 1. Now therefore the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to his hand, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. There are a lot of things today that we don't understand, things that are going on in our lives, things that have gone on in our lives, and we don't understand them. But someday we will understand. To all of the puzzles of life, there is an answer, and God has the answer. In life, there are experiences that are very pleasant. There are experiences completely unpleasant. It's easy to handle the pleasant experiences. They don't test our faith. Pleasant experiences just make us feel good and feel good about ourselves. But the unpleasant they test our faith. We'd like to special order all of life to be these pleasant experiences, but we can't. We shouldn't. We take for granted the good experiences of life, and we focus on the, the troubling, the unsettling, the painful. We have this tendency to focus on the problems and forget the blessings. This is when our faith is challenged. This is when we sometimes falter. This is when we sometimes trip and fall and say, well, I just don't understand it, so it must not be good for me. When Jesus did something new, something he'd never done before, among his disciples, among his followers, among the body, it caught Simon Peter off guard. And he asked the question, he had a dilemma, Lord, do you wash my feet? What are you doing here? Why are you washing our feet? Why would you wash my feet? I don't understand this. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why you are doing this. I just don't, I don't have an answer for what you're doing. You might be asking yourself the same questions. God, I don't really know what's going on in my life. I don't really know what's happening in my family. I don't know what's going on in our church, Lord. I don't know 
<clears throat> what's going on. I need some answers. Well, if that's the way you feel, good news, God has the answer. God is at work in your life all the time. Christians can be certain that God is doing something in their lives. <clears throat> Simon Peter, <clears throat> Jesus said to Simon Peter, what I am doing. He didn't say what you think's going on. He said, what I'm doing. He said, I, I am at work in your life. <clears throat> I am doing something. You don't understand it. He wasn't just doing something then. He's doing something now. God is actively at work in your life today. Some people sit down and just check out. They say, well, okay, I'll just go and sit for an hour <clears throat> in church. Don't know why I'm there. Well, I can tell you one reason. Because you're to be reminded that God is at work in your life. But he's not just at work in your life while you're sitting in here. God is at work in your life when you're taking a nap. God is at work in your life when you're facing the toughest things. God is at work in your life when the doctor tells you news you don't want to hear. God is at work <clears throat> in your life when the baby is born. God is at work in your life when the baby is sick. God is at work in your life when, when the money is good. God is at work in your life when the money is about to run out. God <clears throat> is always working in your life. Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. I'll ask it on a very simple level. You don't have to answer out loud if you don't want to. But do you love God? Do you love God? If you love God, you can be assured that God is working a purpose out in your life. James 1.3 says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. God is always at work in our lives. When it seems good, God is at work. When it seems bad, God is at work. When it's a trial that challenges our faith, God is at work. When something is happening in your life, look to God and look for God in it. While we may invite pain or or suffering of life, God even works through those things that we invite into our lives. And those things that we invite into our lives that are painful and, and, and <clears throat> make us feel like that we're suffering, they're not necessarily bad things. They could be building things. They could be things that are making us stronger. My favorite verse in the Bible is Philippians 1.6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will <clears throat> bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand <clears throat> that we should walk in them. Before salvation, God is working to bring the lost to faith in him. After we are saved, he is working to conform us <clears throat> to his image. He wants us to be like his son, Jesus. What is true of the believer in the body is true for the body of believers. God is at work in this church. God is at work in your life individually. God is at work in our lives collectively. God is working in you and God is working in your church 
to build the body and to conform the body to him. Some of you, Daniel might be one who studied this, may remember the biosphere. Did you ever hear about the biosphere out in Arizona, Daniel? This was some years back. The biosphere was a huge greenhouse that was designed to simulate atmospheric conditions and measure the impact of atmospheric conditions. There were a number of scientists who lived in the structure for two years. In this control setting, they were able to create several different artificial ecosystems. For instance, they were able to create a rainforest atmosphere in this ecosystem. They created a desert. They even created an ocean. Almost every type of atmospheric condition could be simulated inside of the biosphere with the exception of one. They couldn't create real wind, patterns of real wind. I realize that they could put fans in there, but they they couldn't create patterns of real wind. Now, what was the effect of a windless environment? Well, oddly enough, many of the trees bent over and some of them even snapped. And the reason that they snapped is because without the stress of the wind to strengthen, excuse me, to strengthen the wood, the trunks became so weak they couldn't hold up the weight of the branches. So the wind was actually good for the strength of the trees. We view hardship as an unwanted condition. But God uses hardship to cause us to stand straighter and taller. God uses hardship (coughs) to make us stronger. It may be that the good of life is sustained by the strengthening effect of the adversity of life. Here's what the psalmist said. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Here's the confidence that we have when we accept that God is at work. I want to give you about three things this morning. First of all, and excuse me, but Mr. Pollen is really, really out. How, anybody dealing with pollen, would you raise your hand? Everybody raise your hand. Come on, help me out here. Turn it off. Oh, man. <clears throat> My goodness gracious. <clears throat> God is working from a plan. Most of us have made last-minute plans, or we've done something on the spur of the moment. God never does that. What he is doing in your life and in my life and in the life of this church, he is doing according to a plan, a perfect plan. Psalm 37, 23, the steps... of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Psalm 138, verse 8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. God has a plan for us. God has a blueprint. There's a blueprint for Randy Ray. There's a blueprint for Larry Martin. There is, a <clears throat> there is a blueprint for your life. Pam, 
God has a blueprint for you. Roger, God has a, a blueprint, something that he is doing in your life, a plan that he has <clears throat> for your life, Susie. God has a blueprint. Now, that blueprint includes some things <clears throat> that will seem good and very pleasant. And he gives us <clears throat> the free will <clears throat> to make choices. But what he would rather want us to do, uh, have us to do, is to submit to his plan and let him work things out. Because sometimes <clears throat> we stray from God's plans. And when we stray from God's plans, then come the problems. Have any of you ever <clears throat> built a house or had a house built? Will you raise your hand? You built a house or you had a house built? All right. <clears throat> Rich, you can, uh, you can probably confirm some of this for me. Not that it needs confirming, but uh, because it's true, or I wouldn't say it, of course. But uh, <clears throat> straying from the blueprint costs you more. It just does. Whenever you're building something <clears throat> and you decide, well, I'm going to change this. I know that I planned it this way. I know that we went over it this way. I know that I had the, <clears throat> the architect draw it this way and the engineers engineer it this way, but <clears throat> I'm going to do something else. It's going to cost you more. The plan for building <clears throat> and the cost estimate are based on the blueprint. They're based on the engineering drawings. You may, <clears throat> you can stray if you want to, but the cost is going to be adjusted. It's going to cost you more than you had planned <clears throat> or more than was agreed upon. And not only that, <clears throat> but whatever you're building will not turn out the way that you originally intended for it to turn out. It's going to be different <clears throat> than what you had carefully planned. It's much the same way as God is building our lives. We stay close to him. We follow his plan <clears throat> for our life. And, and we not only build the life that God wants us to have, we'll do so in a way that pleases God and pleases us <clears throat> when we find his plan and follow his plan. Now, he'll let you do some things. He gives you a free will to do some things. For instance, God will let you pick out the colors of your life, what kind of flooring you want. <clears throat> but he doesn't want you building a secret room in your life. He doesn't want you building a, <clears throat> a hidden life that, that uh, is not to be seen because he said that your life is going to be built on a hill. You're going to be a light on a hill. <clears throat> and so when we start remodeling and we start building things that God didn't put in the plan, <clears throat> it's costly and it's not blessed the way that that it would have been had we stayed with the plan. You may wonder sometimes, why doesn't God just go ahead and <clears throat> show me the whole blueprint? I mean, I believe God's got a blueprint for my life. I believe God's got a plan in my life. Why don't I just get the plan, look at the plan, and build? And that would make it <clears throat> a lot easier, but it would defeat the purpose of walking by faith and not by sight. And God in his plan says, <clears throat> without faith, it's impossible to please me. We would trust the blueprint and not the architect. We would lean on our own understanding. We would <clears throat> get in big trouble and, and <clears throat> leaning on our own understanding. It's true for you and it's true for this church. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean 
<clears throat> on your own understanding. Be careful about conforming God to you. Be careful about conforming <clears throat> God to your plan. You conform to his plan. He has a plan <clears throat> and he is working from it. Work with him. Work <clears throat> from the plan God has for your life. Now, this is a whole nother sermon. You've heard me preach it many, many times. How do I know <clears throat> God's plan for my life? How do I trace God's hand in my life? And so forth and so on. Very, very simple. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> <clears throat> draw nigh unto God, <clears throat> and he'll draw nigh unto you. <clears throat> draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. Draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. Until it's, and he walks with me. And he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. When you walk with the Lord, you know his will. When you're close to him, <clears throat> You know his plan. His plan isn't a mystery to you. Too many believers cry out to God, what do you want? And the reason they're crying out to God is because they've not stayed in whispering distance. They've only stayed in yelling distance. <clears throat> Get close to him. Draw nigh unto God, and he <clears throat> will draw nigh unto you. Be careful about conforming God to you and your plan. Conform to his plan. He has <clears throat> a plan and is working from it. Work with him. Here's the second thing I want you to know about God <clears throat> and the way he works. God is lovingly working for us. Not only does he have a plan <clears throat> at work, but he is working out of love for us. He spoke to Jeremiah <clears throat> his heart in these words. Jeremiah 31 and the latter part of verse 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, <clears throat> I have continued my faithfulness to you. His love is an everlasting love. And when circumstances are hard or troubling, please know <clears throat> that God still loves you and is still working in your life from a loving heart. He's not angry. <clears throat> he is loving. As the lady sang a couple of weeks ago, when you can't <clears throat> trace his hand, trust his heart. We must accept by faith, <clears throat> even when it doesn't feel good, that God is working in our lives. And we must give him all of the glory for that work that he does in our lives that makes us look good. Occasionally, <clears throat> God's work in our life will, life will really make us look good. And we want to give God the glory for that. We don't want to take it for ourselves. We give God the glory for that. The love that we have for our children causes us sometimes to plan <clears throat> for them. And those plans will sometimes be hard. We plan <clears throat> difficulties in the lives of our children, or at least we, we probably should. Jan and I did. If you teach a child to walk, <clears throat> you expect some bumps and bruises. <clears throat> if the child is ever going to learn to ride a bicycle, they're going 
<clears throat> to fall down. You plan for that. You don't buy a bicycle. You don't go <clears throat> to Toys R Us or wherever it is you go and buy a bicycle and say, I want the kind of bicycle where my kid will never fall. They don't have any like that. Bicycles fall. <clears throat> and when kids learn them, <clears throat> they fall. <clears throat> they fall. <clears throat> Let me give you a couple of stories. My oldest son is 38 years old. There he is right there <clears throat> with his... Uh, <laughs> with his youngest son, Harper, <clears throat> they're standing in front of the Capitol. Um, when we came to this church, <clears throat> that man right there was in the eighth grade. <laughs> Can you believe it? Some of you remember when he was in the, <clears throat> the eighth grade. When he was old enough for his first job, I was preaching one Sunday morning, and I made this statement. <clears throat> I said, I want him to have the nastiest job that he could possibly have. I want him to have a, <clears throat> just a tough, tough job so that he would appreciate the importance of doing well in school and finishing college. I just, you know, it was just preaching. I, you know, <clears throat> I didn't expect anything to happen. But he got two job offers that week. <clears throat> and, and one was for a temporary job washing dogs in a local animal clinic <clears throat> and then dipping them in that dip. That boy came home at night. <clears throat> he took the job. That boy came home at night and we made him take his clothes off outside and rinse down outside before he came inside to take a bath. I didn't realize that his nasty job was going to become our nasty situation, but it did. <clears throat> the, the other job that he got was working OPS for the state of Florida <clears throat> on the landscaping crew downtown. He worked for Jack Smith. He took both of these jobs, by the way, and, and <clears throat> he worked for three summers on that weed whacking job. He, he worked a, a lot on that weed whacking job. And he finished college, <clears throat> and he is now the vice president of government affairs for Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami, the largest uh, public hospital in the state of Florida, third largest in the nation. He is now the vice president of government affairs for them. And he probably, to this day, <clears throat> can smell that dog dip that he had to deal with when he was a younger man. I planned hardship for him <clears throat> so his life would be better. My second son, my second son wanted to excel <clears throat> in baseball. But he, at that point in his life, didn't understand some things. He didn't understand, <clears throat> <clears throat> he didn't understand the commitment that was needed to be successful at the position that he wanted to play in baseball on the high school level. And he just, he just didn't understand it. And so I did something. I lovingly, <clears throat> I lovingly did something that I would never, ever recommend to any parent to do. I did this. I remember doing it. I remember how he cried when I did it. <clears throat> I made him, Steve, I made him play football. 
Amen, Steve says. <clears throat> he wasn't tough enough for the position he wanted to play in baseball. So I made him play football. And I cried, and he cried. I said, I, I'm sorry for doing this. Because I knew when I did it, I said, you know, this boy get hurt bad, and I made him do it. <clears throat> but I made him play football so he would be strong and tough enough for the position that he wanted to play <clears throat> in baseball. He told me, I hate football. He said that he, he was in bed. He said, I hate football. I said, I know you do, but you're going to play. <clears throat> and I made him play. Now, he played on a state championship football team. Starting on the offensive line, he started his junior and senior year, and he come to, came to love football. And his senior year, <clears throat> he led his baseball team in power hitting, and his last at bat in high school on our home field up there was a game-winning game home run in a playoff game that made John Nagowski's column in the Tallahassee Democrat the next day, and it read like Casey at the bat. His dad... He, by the way, now is a police officer and he's on the SWAT team and all that kind of stuff. He has endured some adversity. But <clears throat> his dad planned hardship for his son, my third son. My third son tried to find foster parents. <clears throat> to escape my home and my love, but he didn't. So he too had his own adversities. Sometimes good parents plan something for their children that will involve adversity <clears throat> and probably some pain. However, we never plan anything that will be too much of a challenge for them. We never intentionally make plans like that. We shouldn't plan anything that is beyond our children's abilities. Have you noticed that you teach children to walk when they're near the ground? You teach children to walk when their fall is about that far. You don't teach them to walk when their fall is that far. <clears throat> you teach them when they're near the ground. God has the same idea about his plans for us. Here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted above your ability. But <clears throat> will with, by the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I want to give you one more thing. First of all, you should understand that God is working from a plan. <clears throat> God is lovingly working for us. And then finally, God is not off course. And God is not mistaken. God is not off course. God is not mistaken. I haven't had you to repeat anything for a long time, but I think you should repeat that with me. Let's say it together. God is not off course. God is not mistaken. We need to say that again like we really mean it, okay? Let's do it again, class. God is not off course. God is not mistaken. He's not making a mistake. <clears throat> He's not off course. Sometimes the events around us are so devastating that we think God is off course, but he's not. God is what? 
too wise to be mistaken and too loving to be unkind. Something good can come from absolutely the worst circumstances of your life. Something good can happen out of it. It may take a while, but it can happen. I read the story that in the spring of 1941, in England, something very unusual happened. Throughout the fall and winter, England had been pounded night by night by bombs from from the German forces. And as the weather turned warmer and the days grew longer, the rains came. And the fields and the meadows, though scarred by bomb craters, burst into bloom. It was like a a botanical resurrection. The explosions had unearthed the seeds of plants thought to be extinct. Botanists discovered some 95 flowers and shrubs that were blooming and growing again across the English landscape. Sometimes the adversity in our lives brings to the surface some wonderful, beautiful things that have been dormant for way too long. Remember what Jesus said? What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you will understand. What we must accept is God's will in our lives and even give thanks when we don't understand it. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for this blessing. Thank you for this adversity. Thank you for this trial. Thank you for this trouble. Thank you for this opportunity to look to you. We can still trust that a loving God is doing what is best for us, even when we can't figure it out. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You may have something that's going on in your life and you really don't understand it and, and <clears throat> it is hard for you to accept it. You, you may not know now, but you will know soon enough. Before we close this message, <clears throat> I want to notice something else from this text. God has the answer for your life and for our church, but we should be aware of something. Something happened back in Verse 2, that you may have missed. It says, During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. While you are waiting for God's will to reveal itself, please understand that the devil is at work trying to get you off of God's plan. In our text, he was at work in a member of the body. Don't be that member of the body. Satan always looks for someone in the body through whom he can work. No matter what body it is, he always looks for someone in the body. I've heard people say at business meetings, well, if I could be the devil's advocate, the devil doesn't need an advocate. He is always at work in the body. Don't let anything move you from your main purpose of following God's plan. 
Jesus was telling Simon Peter what he would say to you or to me or to our church. I know that you don't understand everything, but you don't have to understand everything to trust me and to let me lead you. God has the answer. God has a plan. Find his answer and follow his plan.